Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello, and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus. I am Dan Lundy, creator of the show and founder of Fourth Down University, a company focused on the training and development of specialists, coaches, kickers, punters, and snappers. Today's show is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network and Bet Online. The NBA and college basketball are back. The NFL and college football playoffs are right around the corner. With all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat their NBA championship or someone to upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, you need to go to betonline.ag. From game spreads and point totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager now than anywhere else online. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Episode 15 of the podcast welcomes one of my favorite new recent people in my life, Kendall Gammon. A Kansas native, Kendall attended Division II Pittsburgh State University, where he was captain for the 1991 National Champion Gorillas. This led to a 15-year NFL career, playing four years each with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New Orleans Saints, and his final seven years with the Kansas City Chiefs. Gammon played in the 1995 Super Bowl and was named to the 2005 Pro Bowl. Today, Kendall is an accomplished author, writing Life as a Snap, and game plan. Gammon also serves as a keynote speaker for several corporations in the United States. In addition to public speaking, he has served several roles for the Chiefs Radio Network. Finally, he has a podcast called The Extra Point with Kendall Gammon that gives you an inside look at what makes people successful. This is such impressive stuff, Kendall. How are you doing today? Hey, Dan, I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, it's uh... Uh, it's pretty cool to be there. We we got to know each other here recently, and uh, voila, I'm on your show. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's interesting, you know. Like I, the the, the large demographic on this show, the listeners are are, are young men uh, have aspirations to play on Sundays, or the high school kids that want to play on Saturdays, and they're really engaged in Twitter and and um, Instagram, and and I understand that because Twitter is such a good way to market yourself and to talk to coaches. There's no recruiting restrictions for the time being until the NCAA gets involved, but long story short, you know, you you found me on LinkedIn, and I am forever grateful because when I got the invite or the message per se, I immediately clicked on your stuff, and and I saw your resume, and I was like, "Is this for real? You know, is this guy really interested in talking to me? Because uh, you know, I I'm a, I'm a kicking guy, obviously, and you're a snapping guy, and and you're a different generation. So it's just neat. I I want to talk a little bit a bit about that today. About you know, your message seems to be it's it's not a matter of like what you're given in life. It's a matter of how you respond to it. And you know, I I met you in a pandemic. I met you when you and I probably had ample amount of time on our hands, and both of us seem to have found a way to network and utilize that time to meet new people who may be like-minded. So I am, I am forever grateful that you reached out to me and look what it led to, you know, uh, like you said, a few weeks later, here we are, you're on fourth down focus podcast, and we're going to talk some snapping. So thank you so much, Kendall, for joining. I want to start the show. It's one of my favorite expressions is snappers are people too. 
it's thrown around on social media these days, but it rings true. A good long snapper is essential, you know, for the success of a football team, especially. Uh, Urban Meyer once told me, I, I, I used to work Ohio State's camps when he was there for a couple summers, and he said that a, a stat resonated with him, and he actually placed more emphasis on punt unit than he ever did before because he said that one errant long snap, one bad snap in a punt situation results in a loss eight of ten times. So if we look at a box score and we see that, hey, the Chiefs, you know, you're wearing a Chiefs shirt right now. I know no one can see that. But, for example, the Chiefs have a bad snap when they play an inferior opponent. They give that inferior opponent a chance to win the game from one seemingly mundane skill set snapping. It oftentimes is a catalyst in a win and a loss. So specialists have gained more respect in the last two decades with the increase of football's popularity, obviously. But I'm thankful to be speaking to a pioneer that has really helped. You've really made an impact in changing the perception of not only snapping, but kicking and punting. Can you explain how you got into snapping? Perhaps other sports or activities you were involved with as a kid that may have helped your snapping ability? Yeah, Dan, I think you're going to like this one because we've not talked about this beforehand. Uh, You told me a a question, but uh, you didn't know the answer. And I think people are going to find this interesting in the fact that I did not ever long snap until my third year in college. I was simply uh, fooling around. I was an offensive lineman. I was all league all three years. I was all American my, my senior year, but my sophomore year, I was just curious how the ball rolled out of the fingers. It just intrigued me. So I was doing it before a practice one time and some coaches noticed that I could do it better than anybody we had. And all of a sudden I became a long snapper. And to be real clear at the time, you know, I was an offensive lineman. I was 280, 85 pounds or so. I wanted no business of any extra running, especially not at the end of practice. But I did it I, because they asked. Um, I did it in spring game and I had a poor snap. And that was awful. I hated it. Uh, the one thing that I can't stand is ever letting anybody down in any situation, even though I've done it often in my life outside of football. And so I practiced incessantly over the summer uh, because you know I had no choice. They let me know I was going to snap and it just blossomed from there. And, you know, for, for some of you out there listening to think, well, oh, wait, wait a minute, then he was just blessed with it naturally. I was to a degree, but I honed the skill also. And I think it also just tells you that no matter what age you are, when you decide to go after something and you decide that's what you want to do, you simply have to go after it. And um, you know, we may talk about it a little bit more. I, I think we're all uh, have different skill levels and we decide what to do with them. And that's one beautiful thing I like about you is you don't blow smoke up anybody's skirt. I mean, if, if people are wanting to be long snappers, punters, kickers, and you think they have potential, you're going to work with them. Uh, if, if you're not so sure, you're going to tell them the truth there too. And I think that's essential. But yeah, that's that's the kind of the funny story is is I did not long snap until my third year in college. So I had uh, my sophomore, junior, and senior year that I did it. Well, I have to ask them because this has actually been something we've discussed in the show. Um, identification of a potential long snapper when you currently don't have one, especially at a D2 level, right? There, there are several schools that do not have a high-level long snapper at, that, at, right. at the D2 level. And one thing that I, I found very interesting because you mentioned – feeling the ball off the fingers. And that, that generally means like you're, you, you're a natural thrower of the ball or you think about that because it's no different, right? I heard essentially if you're a good thrower of a football, you have an inclination to snap as well because it's just the inverse of it, but it's almost the same, correct? It, it is. Uh, let me ask you this. Are you a golfer at all? 
absolutely. I I'm I'm, I'm probably probably the day at least Daytona beaches worst golfer, but I enjoy it. But you appreciate it as well, probably others that are listening to this. And I would say this: golf and snapping are very similar in this in this first thing for sure, which is it's about the grip. You've got to have your hands on the club or your hands on the ball in the correct way. If you do not, everything from there goes awry. I believe. And so when I talk about the the, the ball and, 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 the, and how it feels in my fingers and coming off and everything, I can't count how many hours I laid on the floor. It's one of my essential drills. I laid on the floor. I had the ball above me and I simply uh, spun the ball up uh, straight ahead of me and let it come back down just to get that feel of the ball coming out of my hands. And I did that constantly. I did that throughout my career in the NFL. I mean, for you know, four to six years in the NFL, I was arguably considered the best long snapper. So uh, in a sense, the best at my craft in the world, yet I'm still doing this very first drill that I did uh, when I started trying to get better at long snapping, which was making sure I felt my grip uh, on the ball and that the ball and that the ball was coming out of my hands uh, properly. It's funny. You just, I mean, you say it differently. Everyone says, it a little bit differently. And when I say this, I mean, I talk to a lot of professionals and I'm not just saying football, but I'm talking people that are good at what they do, simply put, you know, whether it's public speaking, whether it's I'm, a, I'm, I'm in finance or I'm a doctor, I, I really feel that people are almost obsessed with bettering themselves at the skill set they're already good at. And I, I feel like if you don't have that mindset, you have to accept the fact that someone else is going to beat you out. I really feel strongly about this because it sounds like what you're what you said you were doing was and it may have been subconscious. It may not have been forced, but you were really obsessed. You were truly you had to get better. Almost there, there was no other option and, 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 there, and there was no time restriction or constraints like you were going to do it until it was right. And I I think that's awesome. And I think that needs to be said and heard because kids think that just, you know, I'm God given, you know, and I like it. I enjoy it. But are, are they really embracing it? Are they really digging in deep and flipping it upside down and inside out and really knowing every angle at this thing? So I truly am an expert. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, my first college coach was uh, Coach Dennis Francione, who, <clears throat> who went on to have a very successful career, a lot of different places, including Alabama, Texas A&M, you name it. And the one thing he's uh, he said early on, which I he preached to us all the time, was you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You're never staying the same. And, and Amen. it's a cliche, but it's cliches are there because they're true. And, and it is, you're either getting better, you're getting worse. We've talked off air uh, once previously that even, you know, towards the end of my career in the NFL, when I was no longer a backup, really, uh, I was just long snapping. And in my extra time, I'd, I'd be over to the punter and the kicker. It's like, okay, who, who's interested in getting better right now? And it's like, we have extra time. We're going to take field goal snaps. I mean, to this day, I, I can snap field goals in my sleep, you know, with my eyes closed and, and, and I'm going to hit the laces and everything. But it's because of the thousands and thousands and thousands of snaps I chose to take because in my mind, it just made sense for the field goal snaps. Now, as I got older uh, in, in my uh, career in the NFL, my body took a toll because at one point I was 310 pounds. I snapped the last six, seven years of my career at 250. Went from a backup offensive lineman to a backup tight end. Although let's be real, real clear. If I couldn't long snap, I never would have made it in the league, but I was a serviceable backup at times. But you know, I forget where I was going with that one. It's just the fact of 
you know, I was can't, I was constantly going after things and trying to make sure uh, that I was getting better. And oh, that's where I was going with it was as my career progressed in the NFL, though, I recognized that my body sometimes was breaking down a little bit. And the one thing, and I would probably talk to it if I'm coaching people, and I know I'm going a different direction, which is as many snaps, Dan, as I took uh, physically, I took 10 times that many snaps uh, uh, mentally. And I got that from Tony Robbins. I think it was Awaken the Giant with him. I read this book before I went to the combine and it talked about visualization and writing things that are good. And if something's bad, you, you crumple it up and whatever in your head. And I did that my whole career. Uh, and it was a blessing and a curse. It was a blessing because I think it helped me a little bit of a curse because the exception of a couple of weeks after the season was over, I was almost always taking snaps, whether it was physically or mentally. You know, and I want to touch on visualization. When Tiger was in his prime, I read an article that someone wrote on him and they were interviewing Tiger on a Wednesday before a Thursday, first day of a major. And they asked Tiger, what are your intentions tonight? You know, what do you do on a Wednesday before a Thursday start of a master's per se? And he said, by that point, I've played the course quite a few times leading up to the Thursday that I'm able to go back to my hotel room or the house I rented with my family. And he would lay his head down and spend about an hour. He said it usually took about 45 minutes to an hour to play every shot ideally. And he'd give himself conditions too, right? I mean, sometimes the wind's going left to right at 10 miles per hour, sometimes it's dead. So he would put different conditions, different snares in his head, but he knew the course so well. And he said, not only would he play an ideal round, he would also put himself, based on his performance leading up to it in the practice, he would find the pitfalls of the course that, that had adverse effects on his game. And he would put himself in tough scenarios. And what are his outs? And he would look at the options. And I think it's exactly what you just said. And it, and it falls back to where we started today. It is doing everything possible to give yourself a chance to be successful. Nothing, there's not a worse feeling in the world, in my opinion, than being unprepared or feeling unprepared. And I think we all, we're humans. If we don't over-prepare, we're going to feel underprepared somewhere, somehow, some way. Even like a, a setting like this right now, I prepare to talk to you. You know, you're important to me. The audience is important to me. I want to make sure that people that listen to the show leave with something, if not a couple things that, that they can improve upon themselves with. And I bring people like you on to challenge them. So getting into that, I wanted to ask you a couple of things before the NFL career, because it is, it's very, very impressive. You've done some wonderful things and, and you've earned it, but I want to talk to you about the transition. More importantly, more specifically, I should say at Pittsburgh state where you, where you were in college. And as you transitioned into the NFL, could you talk about that long and narrow path, right? Electing to go for it. And, and, and realizing that, you know, I have a limited chance to, to achieve this, but you did. And I'd like to you, you to explain maybe what bridged the gap. Like what, what did people like you do to make Sunday a reality? Cause I have a lot of really good college snappers right now, many of which will never get a sniff at camp. Yeah, I think uh, it's a great question, Dan. Um, I could go all over the board, but I'll try to, to be specific on this, which is when I finished my career, there had been a few scouts come in and tell me that I could make a living at this. And I even ended up meeting with a, an agent at one point too. My, my dad, you know, told the agent he was full of, you know what, when he said that I could make money doing this. 
And it's, it's interesting because I got my invite uh, to the combine over the Christmas break uh, uh, after my senior year when my career was over because I was slated to do my student teaching at a, a school just down the road from Pittsburgh State and, and be ready for that. But when I got that, that letter, I instantly went back to uh, the university. I changed my schedule. I took uh, the bare minimum hours, which was 12. I got a, a secondary degree, which would, would be a minor in science. So I could teach that as well, but I still would have to do my student teaching at some point. And basically I changed my schedule so that I could practice incessantly to get ready for the combine because I was actually the first long snapper, true long snapper ever invited to a combine. Uh, I didn't know that at the time. I learned it later, but in my mind, this was a chance to manifest my dream, which was to get into the NFL when I came when I came to Pittsburgh State. Now I didn't know how I was going to get there. It was just my dream to play in the NFL, and this was the way. And I remember uh, lots of people wanted to catch balls for me, you know, help me out, but they they rarely did it more than once because my idea of practice was snap an hour and a half, two hours, and and. It's not a lot of fun in general just to sit there and catch a ball at 15 yards from somebody for a couple hours, let alone the view that I gave them. So uh, rarely did I get a second opportunity from somebody else. And eventually you run out of people. And so what did I do? I taped a square on the bleachers in John Lance Arena, our basketball place. And I would simply snap a ball at the bleachers in the square. It would hit. Uh, and then I would go pick it up and I'd do that over and over and over again. And I know people walk, because this is while class is in session. Uh, I know people between classes were walking by and, and seeing me doing this and had to be thinking, okay, that is a sad, sad man. I mean, what in the hell is going on there? Uh, but uh, my point with this was, um, this was my dream, not theirs. And ultimately it comes down to, and this is what I challenge people with, which is, what do you want so badly that you will change everything in your schedule and you will snap a ball at the wall for hours? And um, in my in my terms, it was long snapping, but it's whatever you're doing in life because uh, everybody listening, I mean, the odds are you're not going to play in the NFL. Now, don't take that the wrong way because the odds are I wouldn't play in the NFL also. I'm simply stating the, the percentages, but the fact is somebody beats those odds and the way they beat those odds is they constantly prepare, they constantly try to get better and they constantly believe. Uh, and for me, um, I always said this and people thought I was crazy, but it, it never occurred to me that I wasn't going to play in the NFL once, especially once I uh, got to uh, the uh, the combine. Because when I went to the combine, I found out that I had been rated the third best snapper in the nation of all divisions going in. Uh, I stayed at the combine to work out as an, an offensive lineman because I was size wise could maybe be a backup, but skill wise not so much. Uh, but then I was, you know, I was obviously one of the best long snappers uh, in, in the nation. Also, I came out of the camp as, as as the number one rated long snapper in the nation. So it was very, very successful. And that's how I, I guess, kind of got on the map. And we just went from there. And like I said, I go on tangents. So uh, I don't even remember what the damn question was. But uh, that's a little bit about me. No, you answered it. You you explained your transition. And it kind of leads me to my next point is I, I've gotten to listen to you speak. And I've done a little bit of research since we've, we've met. And I think a common theme that you like to share is vulnerability. And that was perfect what you just said, you you knew that, hmm, I'm going to take the bare minimum credits, I'm going to go all in on this, I'm going to be vulnerable here, I'm going to, I'm not going to know the outcome. However, I'm going to give this my all so I can look back on this, even if it doesn't work out and say, man, I'm never going to regret that, you know, because I really, I really feel like I gave it 
what I thought at the time was, was everything I could. You often talk about vulnerability when you tell your story or tell a story or, or, you know, and you engage some pretty big audiences. So it's, you've mastered this, but you find a way not only to inspire athletes, right? You, you motivate business owners, you motivate their teams, their corporations. And I, I've, I've found that you, you talk about the message of embracing change and through that embracement of change, you build stronger relationships. You use these relationships to impact your own growth and not your own growth and success, but your team's. Right. So I think this came from football and that's why I love the game of football is because I played some individual sports growing up and nothing against tennis, you know, nothing against individual sports at all, but there's nothing like learning how to work with others, whether you want to or not for a common goal, nothing like it. So could you talk about the importance of vulnerability, perhaps humility, because I think that directly relates and how each of these has led you to where you are today and all the things that you do outside of football, inside of football. Yeah, um, I'll be all over it again. But, you know, April 17th, <laughs> uh, April 17th, 2005, I wrote my life's mission statement. And there's five key points to that. But the second one is I will demonstrate to all that it's OK to be vulnerable and that it's actually power that helps break down obstacles in life. And that has really been a big one for me. You've talked about you know, going all, or I talked about it and you reiterated going all in, changing my schedule and whatever. And, and you're exactly right. If I had not made it, if I had not made it into the NFL, I would not have had any regrets because I did everything within my power uh, to get to my goal and it just wouldn't have worked out. Now, fortunately it did because uh, the way I chose with that, but yeah, I think being vulnerable, opening yourself up uh, to people um, is very, very important because that's about communication. Uh, in this life, I think the most important thing we have is communi communication. Uh, you know, when I say uh, the words Morton Anderson, any kicker and basically any person in general should should pop to attention and understand that uh, that's a 25-year veteran who went into the NFL. Teammate of mine for two years and just a great friend as well. And he carries something in his pocket uh, at all times, which says powerful, productive communication produces powerful and productive relationships. And I will say this, if you think that your relationship with people that are recruiting you uh, is not important and that it's all about the physical side of things, it is not. And let me repeat that. It is not all about the physical sides. It's got to be there, but make no mistake, they may be paying more attention to emotionally how you handle yourself, how you communicate. Are you secure with what's going on? You know, I always said, you know, people always say it must be tough to be perfect. You know, have to be perfect in the NFL. No, I wasn't perfect. You, you don't, I don't, I didn't get paid to get, be perfect. I paid to be consistent and I paid and I was paid to be consistent after something didn't go as well to make sure and respond and make sure that one snap didn't one bad snap didn't turn into five bad snaps and you lose a game because as you mentioned earlier, one poor punt snap a game is going to get you at least an 80% chance to lose let alone more so. Um, I think the communication the vulnerability communicating with people being real. Um, not just in uh, athletics, but in life is so very, very important. And you're right. There is no game that teaches you more about life, in my opinion, than football, because you have to lead, you have to follow, you have to deal with uh, huge highs and low lows. And you have to, you have to bite your tongue sometimes. And sometimes you've got to speak out and it just puts you through a myriad of 
emotional states that I don't feel like any other sport can do because I don't think there's any sports that really have more than 11 team members. So I think that's, that's a big deal as well. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, vulnerability is so very, very important. And I say that also because that wasn't that way in my life all the time. You know, it's, it's for another time and maybe we'll talk about it. It's in one of my books, but you know, I was abused physically and emotionally from age 10 on by my mother. I've been backed into a corner, hit in the head. We can all agree that shouldn't happen. And, um, she had her own issues. I've, I'm, I'm at peace with that. She actually passed away from cancer my second semester in college. So I've dealt with a lot of different things and that's part of life. I mean, it's, 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 it's what made me me. And I think, you know, made me stronger emotionally. Uh, but we all deal with these things. I, I'm not that much different maybe than others, uh, except for the fact that I'm not afraid to basically tell you about everything. And then you're just going to have to make of it what you will. That now it doesn't mean it's, it's, it's all great stuff, but uh, again, I, I will pontificate too much, but vulnerability and communication to me are enormous. Wow. I was not expecting that. That's a, that's a heck of an answer. I, I don't even know where to begin. I, I will say that I think that a person that can show their weaknesses, it's a true strength. You know, I feel like those that are the most guarded are also the most weak. Um, I think that it, it shows a lot that you can say that we all, we all, like you just said, none of us are flawless. We all carry a load of burdens. Um, they're all different, of course. They're unique to ourselves. But I like that, that, you, that you're not scared. And, and what an example to a guy like you, who you would assume has had very little go wrong in life and nothing but the best go right. And, you know, timing was there. It's just like, it's, it's comforting to hear, I think, to, to the audience that I can be whatever I want to be, regardless of what I was given. We taught, we started the show with that. It's not really the hand you're dealt. It's how you manipulate that hand, how, yeah. how you play that hand, when you play the card you play. Um, and then, you know what? It, fully expect that, you know, you're going to get beat on a few hands, but you're not, not until you're beat for real. So just keep going. You know, we could talk about persistence and dealing with adversity. That could be a whole nother show, but I, I want to make it a little lighter. Uh, yep. You know, in, well, I, I didn't mean for it to be dark. But no, that's in, not. I didn't mean it like yeah. that at all. I just, I think, I, I really appreciate you sharing. Um, you know, I've had some moments in my life too. I, you know, I haven't ever really, you know, I'm not there yet. I guess I'm not there. Yeah, yet no, I with, get it, and that's the thing. It's, you know, there's some there's some kids out there listening to this who 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 just went WTF. I mean, I can identify with him. They couldn't beforehand because it was 15 years pro bowler, uh, you know, all this stuff. Then all of a sudden I say a few things they're like, wait a minute, that that's not too far away from my situation. And you're exactly right, guys. It's not too far away from your situation. I am no different from you. Just like these other stars are no different from you. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and and again, you're 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 not just talking and saying words. You're showing it through action. You you just showed probably one of the most vulnerable things in your life. You per, you portrayed that to the audience that you know, like I experienced this, but I didn't let it define me. Right. And I think that's I think that's really important. And it may and it definitely made you a stronger person in several ways. But I will say that in doing research, you know, uh, I know on stage sometimes when you address audiences, you have a, a little thing you do with juggling bowling balls. That, that is correct. I, I, I'll be honest. I haven't seen the videos, but I've, I've read about it. And I, and I know that's a part of what you do at times. Could you explain how this became an acquired skill and 
you know, it, it was this, I, I have to ask, this is my guess. Was any of this related to the strengthening of hands and, you know, I, oh, I can juggle these now. How did you? Well, are you trying to, are you, are you trying to tell me that uh, juggling bowling balls is out of the norm? That's, that's, that's odd. Um, it's no, little, yeah, slightly. I'll, I'll tell you what, I started juggling uh, when I was in the eighth grade because I had two cousins who juggled and I thought it was cool. I lived on a farm. <clears throat> it was very secluded. I took a uh, two by two pole, cut it into three 18 inch strips, uh, put them in a vice grip. Got a, got a draw knife, drew a handle, made a circle, painted them black, put duct tape around them because all farms have duct tape. And I made three clubs and I learned to juggle the clubs before balls. It began a love of juggling for me. I started performing, street performing. I juggled uh, in competitions. I was fourth place in under 18 national uh, juggling competition in Atlanta at one point in time. Um, it goes on and on and on. I've juggled center ring for Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Belly Circus, not once, but twice. So... When I speak to corporations and, and youth groups and men's uh, groups and you, you name it, uh, I, I don't want to be like everybody else. And certainly we all know as long snappers, we're not like anybody else. We're special. I'm, I'm having some fun with this, but I didn't want to be like anybody else. And I wanted to create anchors that people would go away with and remember. And certainly you don't always have people juggling uh, when they're speaking. So a lot of my juggle, a lot of my juggling has metaphors to it. I juggle balls, clubs, rings. And I juggle bowling balls for this reason. It goes back to the vulnerability. And what I was talking about of, of not so different from people is, is I think in life, a lot of us get caught up in trying to look perfect, to, to look one certain way to everybody. And um, we try to be that perfect bowling ball. We're perfectly round. It, it's black, it's red, whatever perfect color it is. And, and we're perfect to everybody. But the fact is, um, we have three parts to our life. We have our personal life, we have our family and friends life, and we have a professional life. And uh, we have to put all of those out there. And that's why I, I use three. And that also is because I probably can't juggle more than three bowling balls, but you'll have those three. And, and it's to make sure people understand that, that no one is a bowling ball. No one is perfectly round. No one is created perfectly. They've got, they've all got issues. And so that's, that's kind of my metaphor with that. Now, did it help? Did it, did I, it'd be a great story if I said I did it for the strengthening and everything for, uh, for uh, snapping, but I did not. But that being said, I do, I do credit the fact of me being able to manipulate and put things where I think they need to be throwing a ball between my legs. Uh, I, I credit juggling in general a lot to that of having this kinesthetic awareness of, of where things are and, and realizing it. So I, I do think it's very, very important. Now, to your point, I did buy a heavy ball uh, in college and snap that for strengthening. I didn't do it too much because I believed you still had to get used to whatever ball you're snapping. So I didn't want to ingrain too much, but I did use it for some strengthening at times. So your point is kind of correct. I would say just not with the, with the bowling balls. And it probably wasn't purposeful, right? Like when you're on the farm, you weren't like, well, I got to do this so I can, you know, get some more hand skill and grip skill. No, I just, I just enjoyed it. Yeah. Cause you think about it. I mean, at, at the height and I can still juggle five balls and have a conversation with you. I used to be able to juggle seven. I used to be able to juggle five clubs. I can juggle three clubs, you know, you know, me and the boss clown, which is the head Hungarian fifth generation Hungarian uh, clown, clown who's he's, He's called the boss clown for Ringling Brothers, which I know is no longer in existence. But um, he and I juggled, we, we passed seven, eight and nine clubs. And I mean, it was kind of funny with the exception of him. I was the best juggler there at the circus, uh, um, even above all the other clowns. And I'm, I'm not 
I'm not being, I'm not denigrating them. It's just, they were clowns. And so I, I always, I, it always makes me laugh when I say that, but yeah, it's, I, I do think juggling can have a positive effect on, on long snapping. How mental is juggling? Because I think we've all tried it and I think we've all fallen short unless we really applaud ourselves. It's, it's just not easy. I don't care if it's two or especially three and I, I couldn't imagine seven. Yeah. Seven's difficult. I, I believe anybody who doesn't have physical sk uh, skill issues, physical uh, detriments, um, anybody can juggle three. Generally, the people that have a problem uh, juggling and say, you know, I could never do that. It's because they only focus on one, one object and they don't recognize the other two in their hands. And I use that as a metaphor when I talk about the three parts of our life, which is, you know, you hit you, you you have to focus on one part of your life at a time, but also understand that the other two are, are out there also and be aware of them. And, you know, people always talk about life balance. I don't really believe it exists. I believe unhealthy life or healthy life imbalance exists because when you're doing something, you focus on it even, but you still have to know that the other two are there. The minute you forget about the other two and you only focus on this one thing, is when the others drop to the floor and all of a sudden you've got issues. I mean, this is the very reason why the NFL does so much to help the players in their personal life and their family life, because they know if those two aren't put together, when they get between the lines, their professional life is not going to be to the, to the, to the level that it needs to be, or that, that they, they have the ability to be, even if they can perform well, um, if their personal life and family life aren't in order, they're not going to reach their full potential, their full potential. And, and they, they know full well. I mean, the perfect example for me, and I use this again, being, you know, a little bit vulnerable is I can remember snapping, uh, in the Superdome for new Orleans. And after the game went straight to the hospital because my, uh, week old son was in NICU. It had multiple surgeries and stuff now. And let's, so let's unpack this. If I'm on the field, worrying about how I feel, or if I'm on the field worrying about my family and whatever, I can't perform in my professional life uh, the way I need to. So I've got to compartmentalize and mentally be able to be right there. It doesn't mean that those other two aren't important, but they will suffer if I don't take care of my professional side of things as well. I'm not putting it, in, I'm not putting it ahead of those two. Uh, I'm just putting it in focus at that time, knowing what I'm going to do afterwards. Both my boys had surgery at birth. You think about this, and I talk about this. Two times in my career with New Orleans, somebody came out onto the practice field and said, Kendall, you, you, there's a phone call you need to take. Think about that. Does that ever happen? It does not. And it happened to me twice because both times my boys needed surgery at birth and were in ICU for two weeks. Those are some pr pretty traumatic things. Again, though, um, I had to focus on what I was doing at the time to be able to take care of those other things. I know this show has kind of gone some different directions, but this is my mental side of things with, with that. And everything that has happened to me from those side of them, I've taken, I think, and, and helped or, or let them maybe make me better as a long snapper uh, from the mental side of the thing, because there, there's tons and tons of people on the street who physically can long snap well enough to play in the NFL. But if they don't have it upstairs em uh, emotionally and mentally, then they're not going to be able to do it. I remember, you know, my first few years, um, I was there and usher in, in the age of just a long snapper, even though I could back up a little bit, that they would always try to bring somebody in who was a great position player who could back up or who could be a long snapper as well. 
And I remember one of my, uh, I remember one of my, uh, my uh, special teams coaches, my first one, John Guy was his name. He, he later moved on to some other positions, but I remember him, you know, he was in my corner and I remember him saying, just let the rookie cut his own throat. Just, you just keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, did I ever pose the question to some long snappers? Okay, right before you snap, are you breathing in or are you breathing out? Or what are you seeing to the sides of you? I may or may not have posed those questions every once in a while to put some thoughts in, in people's heads, but it's the person who can block everything out um, is the one that's going to be successful. Wow. I, I really like the answer. I mean, I love your analogy with the juggling of bowling balls. You know, you have to, you, you have to compartmentalize. You got to focus on the next ball that has to enter the hand, but you also have to be mindful in your periphery of what is going on around you, you know, um, because you can't just, you can't void something entirely and focus on another thing entirely uh, because you, eventually if you void something long enough, it'll die. Well, and let's take that, let's take that one more step real quick. I'm sorry, Dan, but let's take that to snapping in terms of what do we do? We, we snap, we block, we tackle in that order, the tackle and the, and block or blocking and tackling don't matter if the snap wasn't there. And throughout my career, even year 15, as I'm going out, it's, it's, it's quietly in my head, snap, block, tackle, snap, block tackle it's it's just it's just that simple uh and it's things like that and that that pre-shot routine and this is we get into more of it but think it's that mental side of things that i think is so important you're right and you mentioned earlier in the show and i want to touch on it i forgot to earlier is i like what you said and it kind of makes sense that as the level increases uh high school to college it becomes important the, the colleges want to know the person they want to know obviously the academics they want to know the character a little bit but i think it exponentially increases when you have an investment like the NFL on a, on a particular person. I love what you're saying. And I think it's a good message is that um, you have to work on your entire self. You can't just develop the athlete because when it comes down to it, you're going to deal with adversity. And if you're not a good person, you don't handle uh, negatives as well. Uh, you, you're, not, you're not prepared, right. like we said before. So I think it's of the utmost importance, you know? You, yeah. And, and the, you know, your very first question, you talked about long snap, and I meant to tell this story, but I'm going to get into it now real quickly, which is you've got to understand now it's getting more uh, respect now, long snapping, but it didn't used to as much. Certainly when I came in the league in 92, um, I mean, I was really one of the, the, the people who helped usher in the age of true long snappers. When I came in, you didn't, there was only two specialists. When I left the league, every single team in the league had three specialists. And, you know, I was, I was the first long snapper that was added to a pro bowl roster in 2005. Very proud of that. But you've, you've got to be at peace with yourself and understand, even if other people don't get it, your teammates get it and the game gets it because I was 11th round pick and I always joke about it, 291st person taken. So, you know, of course, right away, feeling really good about myself. And I say that tongue in cheek, but the funny thing too is back then 12 rounds, how many, how many 11th and 12th round players make it in the NFL? Not, not many, right? Exactly. They, they don't. What did the Steelers do? They let their legendary uh, radio announcer, Myron Cope, make the 10th or make the 11th and 12th round picks. Dan, I wasn't even picked by the Steelers. Myron Cope picked me. Now, they had missed getting into the playoffs because of a bad snap the year before. So, I mean, I think there was, I know there was some interest from the Steelers in me with stuff, but literally I joke about it. 
I wasn't even picked by the personnel, I, by, by the, the coaches. It was a radio announcer who got to pick me. And, you know, lo and behold, 15 years later, um, I'd made a career of myself. That's unbelievable. I'd like to think it was a little bit to do with the fact that you might have, the Steelers might have lost a game, an impactful game on a snap, but it, it also well, it certainly was, but, but, but all the same. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, that really is interesting, but you know what, again, you got a hand. It was an interesting hand and you played the hand, you know, you'll take what you get and I'm, I'm going to earn this regardless of how I got here. I'm going to keep going. And that's a, that's an unbelievable mindset. And it's just not everyone thinks like that. And that's the purpose of the show is again, just like you, when you speak to people, you're trying to not necessarily share your success, but you use your experiences that brought about success. And as, as an example, to go ahead and do it your way, but here, here's some parallels you can draw in doing it. Like there, there's some very common things with success whether it be resiliency, uh, a purpose, um, a passion, you know, because I think a lot of people just don't really have enough bravery to go after the things that they really want to do in life. You know, they, they settle. And then over time, they become miserable because they dig themselves in such a hole that, you know, I'm in the middle of my life and I really don't have the option to go elsewhere because I'm so invested in what I'm doing and I've got to pay bills and all these things. So, it's neat. You took a risk and, and, and you earned every, every bit of what you got. I want to make certain before we get cut that you share with the audience the ways that you prefer. I, I, I definitely want you to mention your website and your social media handles, but I think that you're a great follow and not, not just football. I mean, you do so much more outside of the game. You're in the business of helping people. And I, I want to share your story with more so if you could just share with the audience how they could get a hold of you yeah i think twitter is at kendall gammon uh i think uh facebook is at kendall gammon also i believe instagram is at kendall gammon 83 why i chose to put the 83 on the last one i don't know but that's where we're at with that one linkedin is at kendall gammon and, and yeah i try to share things that will inspire people um to do whatever you know it's a hashtag world and, and my main mantra is, is hashtag make a difference and and i always talk about laces out and and give your game ball you know the give your game ball is basically you can make a difference in somebody's life no matter what it is you choose what that game ball is it for for me physically we can go into that store later on it was giving game balls out uh literally every game that i played while with with the uh, chiefs before a game um but it may be opening a door. It may be helping somebody with groceries. It may be uh, lending a kind word to somebody or, or listening when somebody needs. You have a chance to make a difference in, in, the, in, in the life of somebody if you choose to. So that's really what I'm about and, and what I want to do. Uh, as I've always said, I'm very proud of football. Football, football is what I did. It's not who I am. And, and hopefully people will understand that this, this is who I am. And hopefully it will in, inspire uh, them uh, and help them. And, and I get that. I mean, I get messages and then I respond to them. And it's, it's just an important endeavor for me at this point in my life. Yeah, you've used your platform and you've gone further. Some people, you know, especially I'll just use football as a microcosm here, but a lot of football players, you know, they stay in that niche and they go and speak, you know, for a network and they talk football the rest of their life. But I think that you're doing much more than that. And I am, I'm grateful for people like you that 
You're going above. Oh, I forgot, Dan. I apologize. I'm jumping in, but KendallGammon.com also, just so you know. Oh, yeah, I, that's probably. I, I guess I should have led with that, but I did not. But keep going. I apologize. That's probably the most important one. Uh, yeah, and at KendallGammon.com, it, it will explain what I'm talking about right now as the platform. You, you've done so many wonderful things. And yes, it, it's relatable to football, but it's it's so much more. It's life. It's it's helping others. It's helping yourself. It's uh, doing doing what it takes to be successful, which isn't easy but you, you draw a pretty good roadmap for those that, that are in need of some support. Um, so this was unbelievable. I want to thank you. I want to thank my audience. Uh, I, I, if you have a question related to the show and you want to get a hold of me, you have suggestions for future topics, perhaps a, a guest you want to hear, um, or if you have comments, maybe feedback from today's show, you can reach me, Dan Lundy, several ways. Our website is fourthdownu.com. That's 4-T-H-D-O-W-N-U.com. It has endless resources for specialists, specialist coaches. On social media, you can connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at fourthdownu. That's at 4-T-H-D-O-W-N-U. And on Facebook and LinkedIn, you can find me directly at Dan Space Lundy, L-U-N-D-Y. Thanks again for joining us at Fourth Down Focus. We'll see you next week with a brand new exciting guest. Remember, in all things, give thanks. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. We'll see you again in the new year. Have a great day. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20.